Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Radley, John Charles Ciccarelli, James Burroughs, and Damian Hallwood. Hello and welcome to episode 25. Crikey, there's a 25. Yeah. Well, 25. Not consistently, but we have been doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> semi consistently. Yeah, it's the problem with the holiday period and then all the illnesses that have gone around. Oh, yeah. What I, I have no idea what you're talking about right now, James. No, what? I, I know, no, no, I'm not stuffy and my voice cracking. <laughs> you sound lovely. You rest up, buddy. Uh, you know, the, the only good side to this of being this sick, <clears throat> especially for recording, is that my voice can go down a couple more octaves than it usually does. Oh, yeah. So I'm <clears throat> I can give Barry a while to run for his money now all right all right hey everybody welcome to the tales from the tables oh, evening wow. edition Ooh. i've got some serious like... some serious amsr in my ears then Did again? Barry White mixed with McConaughey. <laughs> yeah okay all right all right all right. Yeah, right those are rookie numbers in this racket you gotta pump those numbers up have you uh have you guys heard this, the um him reading a bedtime story on calm no, I, I think I have. Um, no. Yeah, it's like, is it, is it's like, it good? Yeah, it's just fucking brilliant. I'm like, I'm like, to I'm like, I'm like, does this make me gay? I like. Because <laughs> like, I really Who isn't this, a this little gay for Matthew I'm not, McConaughey. I'm not, I'm not sexually aroused. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like. In You'd nice want to curl place. up next to him in bed a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. imagine, imagine if you walked in and your your girlfriend or your wife or your partner was like in bed with Matthew McConaughey. You'd be like. Yeah, that's cool. Oh. You'd be like, you'd be like, you'd be like Move dis- over. disappointed, but like, but like also kind of impressed. <laughs> Honestly, I I just finished True Detective lovely, season one. I oh yeah, dude. I I just finished True Detective season one. I'd curl mm. up with that man in bed any day. Well, and, I, and if my partner, if I if I walked in and saw them, I'd be like, yep, move over. We better we better have room over here. So, yeah, right. It's fine. It's like what I what I like to see is a lovely corn, it's a lovely a lovely piece of corn in the fields. Yeah. And the sun yeah. setting over that corn, reflecting. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I like to see. Yeah. It's like, oh man. Indeed. JC, the last time we spoke, you were you were kind of starting that series. Now yeah. that's all over and done with, you still mm. love it worth the hype every minute of it it was it got better the stakes were great i think everything everyone had told me about it like totally went through and and it delivered i did start i skipped two and three because i heard they weren't good i did start on four uh true detective night country which is the one currently airing Um, yeah jodie foster she's incredible in it as per unsuspectedly usual um it's a bit of a slower start i'm only two episodes in so i can't really judge it too hard it's definitely drawing inspiration from the thing we talked about that like Mm -hmm. ad nauseum on this podcast oddly (laughs) um but there is it's definitely you know arctic inspired well the other one was antarctic inspired but it's all it's called night country because they have just started the periods of 24-hour darkness in alaska high up there in the arctic circle yeah, yeah sick yeah so it's like northern alaska jodie foster plays a detective she has a partner um there's like this really grisly gruesome uh murder where or not murder but mysterious deaths of a whole research station up there and they find all the the scientists frozen naked out in the ice with their eyes gouged out and stuff spoilers shoot 
Should have said that. Spoilers okay. <laughs> for anyone who well, hasn't I mean, started sure it that's yet. That's the exciting incident. That's, <clears throat> that's okay. Uh, it, you don't learn about all of that till the last minute of like season or episode one. But uh, oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well. yeah. Oh, well. yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> wait, if you think <laughs> it's a slow burn, okay. you know that it gets somewhere by the end of episode yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> you, might, you might be able to get, get. You can get away with spoilers being trigger warnings. You know, like I keep looking at trigger warnings. I'm like, oh god, damn it, they smoke in it. Oh, yep. damn it. Yep. I'm gonna watch mm-hmm. it. I can't watch mm-hmm. it now. No, I know they're gonna smoke nope. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so yeah damien good question but yeah true the first season really holds up so uh i'd recommend everybody go watch it especially if you are yeah, it's fantastic uh just a fan of, of a good suspense or even a little mm. bit of a lovecraftian fan because there's a little bit oh, of yeah, that eldritch yeah, suspense definitely. in there yeah. Do you, do you think you need subtitles to understand what Matthew McConaughey says? <laughs> you know, you know when, he's, when he's been interviewed in the in the police bit, and he's like all grizzly, and he's got long hair and the beard. Yeah, with the cigarettes <laughs> and the beer. I love I love that bit at the end of the, yeah. he's in the wheelchair. Oh, oh gosh. he's talking about that. That's yeah. like really. I was like I was like wow. Oh, yeah, he's, he is probably right. Right, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. right. He is, he is, yeah. he is. It's it's great writing. And honestly, yeah, Matthew McConaughey really shines. Woody Harrelson does a great job too, but he very much is Woody Harrelson in that. Like he doesn't really ever yeah. deviate too much. It's certainly yeah. the best thing I've ever seen him in, but he only has about three stages of Woody Harrelson. And yeah. three quarters of those are him just kind of puckering his lips when he's either annoyed, aroused, yeah. or just in general living think, life. He kind of does this yeah. thing. He goes, I definitely, I definitely think that if Woody Harrison realized the gravity of what he was going to be in, he probably would have given a better performance. Because I've seen him, I've seen him, I've seen him way better in other things. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, in other things, I've seen him really good, like in certain, mm. certain, certain, certain things that he's been in. But with this, he's just, he's just playing the state a lot. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's just, he he's is. just like I'm grumpy. <clears throat> I'm a grumpy guy. This is who I am. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's not as much subtext as there could be. That being said, yeah. it's still a great performance in overall. Whereas, whereas like Matthew yeah. McConaughey is just like the depth and that that how good was that one shot in the um the uh, biker camp? Oh, it's super. It's eight minute long single take. Oh yeah, the take. Where he's, where he's, yeah, where he's, yeah. acid, where he's high on acid. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, so this good. is so sick. You talking about when they go to the projects and yeah, the, yeah, escape from, the escape yeah. from the projects? He's, he's, he's yeah, that's the a scene, man. From the bikers, yeah, the bikers. Oh, oh it's so good. my god! Like, yeah, where he takes his his contact and shoves him in the back. Oh my god! I can't remember how many takes, oh, how many attempts that took. It took, I think, it was in the teens to really? get that Jesus. to get that right. To have um, to reset all of that, yes. all the action happening around yes. them, move the cop cars and really re- redo the the caps and everything for the guns. It was a true. I love. I love a true one shot when people do it for real. Yeah. I know there are movies that emulate it. Um, yeah. Like nineteen seventeen is a great example of that, which does right. have some really long right. one shots, but the whole movie is stitched together editing wise. Hey, well, good good segue though. Speaking of one shots, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, incredible work on that one shot and. My favorite bit is when they climb the fence, uh, before we dive into things more D&D, when mm. they climb the fence, uh, the camera follows them to the fence, oh, yeah. up yeah. the fence, over the fence, and down the fence, and keeps on following them, yep. uh, which I believe the they used, the, yeah, they had a, uh, a steady cam. Yeah. The camera ran with a steady cam to a cherry picker, oh. 
locks himself onto a cherry picker. The cherry picker goes up with the actors across the fence and down. Well, and then he unhooks himself from the cherry picker and the camera oh. keeps keeps on running. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. amazing. So, oh, that's I wonder, so cool. I wonder it took into the teen's attempts. That's yeah. I bet that, yeah. if, if anywhere, yeah. is going to go wrong. That's where, mm. like, oh, it's just, he's not unhooked. And he's, like, yeah. jolted as he's... That's a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun doing one of those, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. How- how could you? How could you? So let's let's try and let's try and get this into the world of D and D. How could you do that in a game? What a one have a, se- a one shot set piece with your players that tracks where, chase. where, it's, where chase. it's like where it's like chase. really high paced. Yeah, it'd have to be a chase. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'd say out of combat. I would say do it as a skill challenge. Yeah, and have a rotating background or a scene or if you're playing in person just have different images for different parts i did this for curse of strahd recently um i i kind of do a little bit of a homebrew with something that happens in the main city of Valaki, uh or the main town depending on how you're running it and at one point you know they're chasing after a, a vampire spawn that has a macguffin that they need to grab for those of you familiar it's the bones um and i never run it as combat because combat they could destroy the vampire spawn really quickly but if they're chasing this other one who's knocking over scaffolding and spooking a horse with cart to get in your way and panicking the crowd and then i let mm-hmm. them choose what skill they want to roll do you want to try and calm the horse with animal hand do you want to try and intimidate the crowd to get out of the way so you can continue your pursuit do you want to use athletics or acrobatics to sort of dodge or run past all the falling debris from the scaffolding they just knocked over whatever you know whatever they choose and that like you find the right chase music you you set it up right i think that could really shine yeah yeah i wonder if there are other systems that it probably works better in probably better yeah i wouldn't be surprised if blades in the dark has something like that yeah i think even like call of cthulhu because you're not because it's not as much focus on combat but you can do like maybe something is chasing you scene um and you're trying to sort of either make like snapshot decisions on which directions to go yeah i think that'd be quite cool i think maybe um what came to my mind was using the for D anyway is using the the skill challenge the chase skill challenge which is great way of doing that i agree with jc completely but maybe folding some combat into that maybe using something like the equivalent of minions from fourth edition sort of Mm. single hit point but otherwise effective monsters so imagining the characters you know running up the steps of a ziggurat being chased by you know painted lizard folk with colorful feathers and they it's like rolling for a skill challenge but instead rolling an attack and if Mm. You fail the attack, then the creature gets a free hit and you lose a few hit points before that creature is assumed to also be carved down. Yeah. Whereas yeah, if you succeed, yeah. you carve the creature and it falls down the stairs. So it's kind of like a free and easy sort of you kill, they kill. You yep. use you chip hit points, you chip hit points, that but if you hit them, you kill them immediately. So you can have waves of enemies and make that chase seem incredibly epic. And then yeah. perhaps even to build the stakes to a massive crescendo is end that chase in a small or medium sized combat where Ooh, those lost yep. hit points then mean something when the big yeah. lizard man kicks through the, the wall riding yeah. his triceratops and that's the boss. Yeah. You've lost a few hit points in the chase. There's some there's some stakes. Now you're in a fight, and at the end of that fight, when the creature finally falls, your players 
<sighs> yeah, yeah, right. That, that yeah. Well, you had me in Triceratops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's anybody who ever get, hears of Tomb of Annihilation. I always pitch it as, well, uh, it's a really dangerous dungeon at the end, but there is dinosaur racing. They're like, yeah, sign yeah. up for dinosaur racing. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You get one session of dinosaur racing, and then it's just. <laughs> and then it's just death. terrible the rest of the time. Yep. Yeah. It's an awful <laughs> experience from that, from that on. But that, <laughs> it's like false advertising. What you want yeah. to to achieve with a one shot because when you watch those one shots it's almost always done to make you feel kind of breathless yeah. to, to kind of mm -hmm. feel like it's relentless and the mm. fact that it's a one shot pumps that up to 11 because it is a single take and so you know as a, a an audience member that the stakes are even higher especially yeah. if you right. know going into it it's going to be right. a one shot which i i did for that episode so you want <clears throat> to emulate that feeling of breathlessness like it just keeps going yep. so yeah. ending it on a combat after a massive skill challenge with all those stakes i think it would just that would emulate that feeling of just relentlessness i yeah. love that idea and honestly i did end that vampire chase through the town with a fight in the church and and i've run this every time i've run it which is now four or maybe five actually um i've always had something different that they fight um they always end up in the church but they are always fighting something and whether it's strahd himself or uh or one of his big minions or last time i, I ran it they fought lady walker which i reskinned as a full necromancer and because there's a uh a cemetery right next to the church of course all those zombies come pouring in while swarms of bats break the windows and they're like crap oh my god but the idea of the minions kind of like wearing you down and like getting you ready and pumped for that for that final fight is a great idea i'm gonna do that next time there's gonna Brilliant. be a whole bunch of lizard folk running at them in barovia and they'll have no idea why <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I, I did a i did a um a, a fight scene um in one of my games uh well the only game i'm running that shit at the moment it with um last the last session where they basically would they got locked inside a tavern with this gang and there's 20 of them against Ooh. six of them Ooh. and it was literally like <laughs> it was literally like okay here we go and i, I sort nice. of set it all up <clears throat> whereby i said right okay this is what's around you you've got tables you've got chairs you've got glasses on tables you've got great big tankards on tables you've got like a guy's just jumped on top of this table. Another guy's just jumped off that table. He's got like a great big bat out. This other guy's got another bat out, and they're coming for you. Well, initiative, and, it's, and it was like, and, and the and the guys in the bar went first. I got the highest initiative, oh, and they yeah. literally just like clamored on top of all of them. They basically like got on top of the Dog biggest one out of them and started like piling them in. Yeah, it was so cool. It's so interesting. Love like, it. Like get like having the pace, like just up in the pace because there's so many. I was like, okay, but they had like really low hit points, so they would literally like hit one of them. And that person would like be out for the count yep. and dead yep. straight away. It's like minion rules. Yeah. 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 Let me guess. Uh, I have to, you know, I have to ask. This is mm. the greats words. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like they, they, tavern they love, fights they is that. what they're built for. They love, yeah. They love that sort of shit. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like they're all over it. They're like, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I take his bat and I shove it up his bum and then I push him into another one. Yep. Yeah. That all happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> What is what? So speaking of that, what I guess is, um, what's the most intense combat or like the highest number of enemies combat you guys have ever run? Because like oh, you I've just had a twenty like that, and yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the biggest. That's the that's biggest, the biggest one. That's the biggest I've done. Twenty. I've I've done in the hundreds. I think. <laughs> it's Using essentially a war rules, game at I that hope. point. Uh, <laughs> no, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like big enemies, and then just yeah loads mm. of, of minions they i didn't give them only one hit point though i did leave them 
slightly more. I think they could take probably two hits before they went down. But the characters were level 20, so I was like, well, if they fireball in the centre, I want them to be taking out a lot of them, but I don't want, you know, yeah, them all gone all the time. Right. So right. I, uh, yeah, it was it was a big mind flare army. So I had, Sick. I had like the elder brain dragons. I had two of those. <laughs> Holy fuck! Um, I think I had a purple worm in there as well. And well, then... to send me your notes on <laughs> yeah. this. Just yeah, <laughs> <pour> them to me. <laughs> yeah, so we had some some lovely elder brain controlled uh, purple worms. And then right. just yeah, uh, then that's right. And then just human <laughs> human soldiers that we taken. So essentially, it was at like the end of like a three year campaign, and wow. various like cities in the kingdom had been taken over. So that as they were sort of building their army, other cities were falling, and their citizens were being added to this mind flare army. Yeah. So Sick. by the time they got into combat, they were trying to like break the control of the mind right. flayers. But ultimately, they were doing a lot of fighting of their people, <laughs> which is another thing. So I didn't give them totally um, rubbish hit points. I was like, well, maybe they don't want to kill them all instantly. Uh, they didn't seem as bothered as I thought they might be. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure. <laughs> My biggest combat is probably probably Icewind Dale. Mm. Uh, we talked about the combat previously on a, a previous episode, I think, where yeah. there is a, a fortress that you can go into in that adventure without any spoilers um and there's a quite a lot of enemies in that fortress if you stumble into it and and don't sort of go very carefully and take it room by room you can you can kind of kick the corner at the kick the hornet's nest a little bit mm. and and they did but through some incredibly clever use of stacked spells they were able to sort of keep the horde at bay and, and right. actually ended up bottlenecking them and doing a really great job most intense combat might be the one I'm in the middle of at home right now. Ooh. Um, Do you need to know about your personal life, David? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm running a... If you do want to share anything, it's okay. We're, yeah, we can, you know, we're all friends uh, here. I'm running a uh, a blue shadow dragon uh, Oh, nice. Uh, an ancient shadow blue dragons. shadow dragon. Nice. So Ooh. it is... A real tough customer. Um, hmm. uh, we're going full tabletop as well. I've, I've 3D printed a dragon, painted it. Oh, is that, that guy, is that the one you shared in the group? The it you... is. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I might share cool. it in the uh, in the podcast uh, channel should. if people yeah. want to see it. But basically, what I've done is I've got a, a 3D printed dragon. All my players, we all got together and they painted their minis that I printed for them, um, which is really cute because most of them had never painted before. So they were all sat around enthusiastically learning how to paint their minis. Um, and then shout out guys, that was an awesome night. And then uh, I've got a, a multi-level map made of floating platforms beneath which is a, a big pile of what is effectively teddy bear stuffing, like hmm. wool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and cool. I've got laced through that. Right. Uh, LED strip lights that are oh, timed, nice. uh, yeah, timed yeah. to react to the sound of thunder. Oh, oh so when all the lights go out, um, uh, we have sort of minimal light in the room and have that flashing with sounds of thunder and lightning oh, going yeah, on in the right. background, and it and it kind of flashes and reacts. Uh, it's it's really epic and how cool does that sound? Being a that's dragon, fantastic. it's really intense. Like it's a really intense oh, fight because she yeah. she's. Yeah. 
she's playing as a dragon. She's not, you know, she's not a hit point sponge. She's playing as a dragon. She's intelligent, yeah. smart, she's flying savage, over, flying from above. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's really we're we're in the middle of it right now. It's really intense. Um, but yeah, so really, great. really cool. So oh, cool. Right. I don't know. I feel like if I ran more in-person games, I would be flat out broke because I already spend yeah, so that's... much <laughs> digitally. I yeah. buy too many tokens and support way too many people on Patreon for pretty maps that I only use, you know, 30% of the time. And then the other 70%, I'm like, I need the perfect map for this situation. None of these are working. And I haven't attended enough of James classes to draw my own yet. So <laughs> I, I like, I panic and I find one and I'm like, Oh, but the, the, the night exclusive one is on Patreon for five quid. I'll support them. Look at all this other stuff. And then yeah. I never end up <laughs> removing that, that thing. But yeah, if I, if I were running in person games like you, Damien, I would want all of that, all those effects and, I'd I'd be so broke. <laughs> yeah, like it is crazy how it, how expensive it would get. Even if you're just running something like Curse of Curse of Stride, just all the individual minis you would need mm-hmm. to run that, all the different mm-hmm. encounters for all the different cities. Like you can, if you've got an old TV, you can use a digital tabletop. That's really cool. At least you can yeah. just like yeah. project. That's what maps I would probably do on, onto that, so you don't have to spend. Yeah crazy amounts of money on like real terrain um (laughs) who does that who spends money on terrain (laughs) are those boxes of terrain right behind you there james yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not wrong with that man that's great i bought i bought a tv for about 200 quid off amazon it's perfect it's got like it's got like a crap it's like not like you couldn't You'd be disappointed if it was a if it was your it actual was your TV. entertainment, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But but to have it like on like the deck and to have your maps on there and just plug mm. it into your laptop and just move move your stuff across, it's yeah. perfect, absolutely yeah. perfect. The problem I've got with mine is I've had the same TV that I use for my gaming for game board now for fifteen years since I was fifteen. So yeah, fifteen years, um, and it weighs a ton. Yeah, this one, this one, I've, this one I've got is like light as hell. I need like, like a new like, lightweight. Throw it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You need an upgrade. I'll, I'll send you a link. It's like it's like two hundred quid. I think I yeah. think I, you know like Amazon do those like those like monthly payment things that they do. Yeah, I think yes. it's like yeah. I think I did I think I did that for like it's like eleven quid a month for like God knows how long. James, I bet that if you leave your TV at the medieval hall of uh, in Salisbury, mm-hmm. in like the back room where we changed last time, they probably wouldn't notice. And you could no. just use it there for you could just leave it there for next time. You don't have to keep transporting. Yeah, right. There you go. It's my bedroom TV, so if I don't have it, then I can't watch TV in bed. Oh, oh, oh never <laughs> mind. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Otherwise, right. I deal really. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I can't imagine that mine. Right. Well, I think it's time for the news. We've gassed on quite long enough, I think, with this. So, uh, yeah. So, Damien. What uh, what news updates do we have this week? Oh boy! Yeah, we've uh, we've had a couple of weeks, so there's a, there's a few items. What I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to run through the list of news stories that I've sort of selected, uh, and then basically you guys can sort of choose your 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 story of the week as it choose were, the thing you want to think. Yeah, choose. Um, so we'll stick with D and D to begin with. Quick PSA on D and D. Internet being internet, there was a series of clickbaity titles flying around in the last couple of weeks about Tencent acquiring D&D. 
they're not yep. acquiring D and D. If you actually uh, follow those articles, they should hopefully tell you that they're actually uh, acquiring the IP for producing uh, things like video games and, yeah, and video other game media. Licensing. Yeah. They are not acquiring the license for D and D, which that a lot one of guy... titles would have you believe. Yeah, that that one guy on YouTube that that made this news kind of big. He, I forget his his name right now, but I can't stand him. Sometimes <laughs> he, he because he does this. All, I've realized that he's made his channel more clickbaity as his history has gone on. It's kind of sad that we know this or that we follow these people. Um, but yeah, but his at first I immediately hooked onto it. I was like, oh my god! I went upstairs. I was like, dad, mom, we're we're being sold to the Chinese, and it was it was this whole thing. And then I realized, no, this is probably just some misreporting in the beginning that was misinterpreted. They're probably just selling licensing deals like they did with um, Larry. You know, they oh, sorry, sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves, Damien. Go ahead. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> just a quick PSA on that. Check it out. That don't worry. Uh, I could understand your fears. Tencent are a massive massive conglomerate company that are acquiring video game studios like a gelatinous cube acquiring adventurous skeletons um, wow what a a comparison and (laughs) melting them melting many of them down like said adventurers um tencent please don't hurt me um so uh yeah oh wait sorry sorry i'm getting a little bit of feedback damien do you hear that knocking in the back of your door (laughs) it's the pickertons what are they doing there All right, so I'll quickly run through these these other items. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about uh, the Player's Handbook and other revised books coming out in May this year. They're not. Oh. Um, Jeremy Crawford has made it clear that they are not coming out in May and that they will still be working on those books in May. So that was never the plan. Wow, okay. Um, so that's, that's one I'm item. Looking forward to something to read in May. That's one I, I know. Uh, another big one for all of you VTT heads out there. Foundry yeah. has now got official Dungeons & Dragons support. Uh, it looks great. They re- released a video showing all the features of it. Um, and it looks really beautiful, the, the layout it, it and is, everything. It is, is really, really nice. Gorgeous. Um, Good. I tried it out fun. briefly. Yeah. And... Well, I'll save it for the post-discussion of the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Another, another quick one. Free RPG Day this year is June 22nd, 2024. Um, so at your friendly local retailer often have free uh, starter kit books and, and things. Um, many of the names included this year, there's huge Free League, Paizo, um, there's uh, Story Engine, Cobalt Press, uh Roland Prey Plus, Magpie Games, Renegade Games, huge collection of, of studios. There's full Damn. lists of them out there participating. Uh, the Marvel role-playing game. Uh, so June 22nd, 2024, head to your local game store, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick up something that they're that they're putting down for free RPG Day. Amazing. Cool. Um, have, you, have you guys ever been involved in that before? No. Are you going to pick anything I've, picked, I've picked up uh, the little sort of magazine-type uh, free booklets for for I've I've got a uh, a MechWarrior one somewhere and oh, cool. uh, a Warhammer one somewhere. Just these nice. little little books that are designed to be like Kickstarter mm. uh, entries into RPGs. Right on. Um, okay, sweet. 
So some some sort of big news there. Uh, I know uh, Paizo have also just unveiled their uh, 2024 releases for Gen Con. So they've got uh, a second player's core book coming out. They've got an adventure path or a couple of adventure paths. They've got playtest materials for the second edition of Starfinder right. uh, coming along. So they're, they're making big waves too. Great. Um, so there's, there's a handful of stories. If there's anything you want to particularly highlight there uh, or you would like me to repeat, uh, go ahead. Hmm. What do you think, Rob? Um, I just because you because you mentioned Starfinder, I'm kind of like I, I really want to know what that game's like. Pathfinder in space. Is Pathfinder what I hear. in space, but just yeah. like is it is it like quite is it quite gritty in the set? Is it is it more towards sort of like your Star Wars or is it more towards your yeah. sort of Star Trek? Star, Star Wars. Wars. Star it's more Star Wars. Like it's heroic like fantasy in space, stuff. right? Yeah, it, it really is D and D by way of Star Wars is probably okay. my elevator pitch for it. Is there magic? Right. Uh, I haven't yes. played. I, yes, I think so. Um, it's an or, like, the, like the Force kind of magic. <clears throat> is it something different? I think it's more D and D ish magic. Yeah, okay. Because it's still like dwarves and elves, just in yeah. space. Oh right, okay. Right. Cool. It's a bit shadow runny, but like further, mm. more more spacey, mm. shadow runny sort of like what cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Yeah. Okay. And a fantasy. Yeah. I, I'm hoping on free RPG day there is some um, superhero RPGs because I've just started reading Wild Cards, the George R. R. Martin and alums sort of edited alternate history of the world through wave uh, superheroes. Um, oh, it's cool. based, based on them playing mutants and masterminds in the 80s. And they essentially cool. just created like a, a history to it and they ended up all like a whole bunch of really famous sci-fi and fantasy authors adding to these collections of um, oh, cool. wildcard stories yeah. uh, set in the same world. And it's really, really good. Like, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, is, it fact... is it dystopian or, like, good? <laughs> no, it's it's good. So uh, it's the stories start just after the Second World War. Right. Up through the 80s and into the early 2000s is sort of where they currently are. Right. Um, cool. but, like if you like books like World War Z, where you sort of like get Ugh. snippets from different characters Love and that. different areas around the yeah. world, and it sort of builds up like a, a picture of the world as their stories are told. Right, uh, it's it's really cool. So it starts yeah post World War Two essentially. Uh, slight spoilers: um, a alien virus is released over New York, um, and it sort of melts 80% of the population. Why do oh. they always pick on us? God, what did we do to the world? <laughs> yeah. Us yeah. 10% are turned into these horribly deformed mutants with yeah. sometimes with useful powers, most of the time just useless deformities and like a dog people or a like right. 14 foot tall but with a normal human sized head and unable to move themselves around normally. And oh, then gosh. 3% Actually, it might be higher than the ten percent that's deformed, but like three percent turn into what they what they refer to as aces. So the, all the ones with with terrible powers and deformities are called jokers. Everyone with superpowers um, are called aces. Um, cool. And it's the wild card virus is the that's a cool the concept. Um, and it yeah, sounds so, like yeah. the premise is vaguely Watchmen. Like there yeah. is hmm. kind of current alternate history where superheroes yeah. are real, just not dystopian. Yeah, like, I, vibes. I can't remember or when Watchmen was first published. I wonder if it was pre or post that. It was I imagine early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah, Alan Moore, right? So, okay, yeah, so be, it will have come out before Watchmen. Then I think it's Alan Moore. I'm pretty yeah, sure this was first yeah, published yeah, yeah. in '86. I think the first oh, wow. collection. 
Um, right. So yeah, yeah, it's really, yeah. really interesting. It sort of follows real world allegories and like the Red Scare and stuff in America, right. uh, and the sort of their take on on communists and also being afraid of superheroes, um, like through the McCarthy era and Nixon and all that. I was gonna say, like, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really like very interesting. But also, great. All the little stories are great, but it's made me really want to play a superhero RPG. Um, so Book now James. I'm getting one yeah there's cool. i was gonna say Ma- to answer your previous question it Ma- the marvel game sounds like it's going to be part of free rpg day okay however um there is a game i would kind of point you in the direction of one that i particularly like um power rangers do you know that do you know the, do you know the <laughs> it's not power Rangers. Uh, do you know the cypher system no i don't uh for, terrible, terrible for cypher like system <laughs> there is a game called unmasked okay uh, which is a really cool uh, super like eighties superhero story. Yeah, where the kids in the story suddenly wake up one day drawn to mundane objects. Okay, uh, everything from you know like a, a paperweight to a pen to a, a doorstop to just these weird items that they become drawn to and start collecting. And then when they've collected them, they form them all impulsively into a mask. That then when they put that mask on, they become a superhero. Oh, okay. um, that sounds cool. And it, it's a super fun little little world, uh, and it uses the cipher system, which is quite a a relatively easy system to to kind of get into um, rules wise. Nice. Um, I've I've wanted to run it for ages. Um, it's a really yeah. Cool I've noticed system. we've not actually Rob got any sort of superhero RPGs on the go no, with Rolled Arc. No, I don't think we've think we've, ever, we've we ever had one. Nope, we haven't. No, no we haven't. So um, there you go, yeah, breaking new ground. Totally do it. Power Rangers. Yeah. I'm I'm working on it. Power Rangers. Power Rangers would be, Let's go. would be quite cool. There's, I gotta sit I've in seen, on that for a session. I've seen there's one called Masks, which is sort of for your teenage superheroes, like your adolescents going through sort of right. yeah, that sort of vibe. But yeah, I think I'd prefer something a bit more with like more of a theme behind it. So like the eighties stuff of the uh, of unmasked sounds like interesting. Uh well there was an, there's another one as well that's like quite big i'm not sure if it is still mutants and masterminds or if it's something else but i'm pretty sure they still have like a current role there was at one point a wild cards rpg um which is weird because it started as an rpg game between the writers and then they wrote about it and then it created its own rpg but i think that was a bit of a flash in the pan it didn't really take off which is a shame yeah i would recommend the books um there's so many of them at this point and they keep getting released it's <laughs> and George R. R. Martin keeps coming out with updates on them, and people are like stop, <laughs> stop doing this. Where's Winds stop of Winter, on George? This. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Winds of Winter? When is that oh, happening? Like so, Actually, I think I, I think I did hear some news about Winds of Winter getting, uh, like the manuscript, get, manuscript getting uh, revisions, and apparently the publishing date is coming. But <sighs> yeah, I, I, I don't even care at this point, point anymore. Honestly, I'm I'm done. Um, but but what I do care about is Doors of Stone by Patrick Rothfuss, which I know we'll get probably by Brandon Sanderson at some point, um, rather than actually Patrick Rothfuss. So you heard it here first, folks. Mm. <laughs> but still, so anyway, to go back to your original question, Damien, I think that the new story that I um, not really need to focus on too much, but I did try out Foundry BTT's new D and D update, and it is really slick looking. It looks really cool. There is, uh, it's heavily inspired by D&D Beyond. So if you're familiar with the D&D Beyond sheet, it integrates really well. I know that they've also right. released uh, Fendelver and Below, the Shattered Obelisk is a full yes. 
purchasable digital adventure on Foundry VTT with upscaled right. maps and adjustable lighting and macros, all kinds of fun stuff with that. So it's apparently very click and play, plug and play, kind of easy to go. Oh yeah, James, check it out. Um, that being said, for a person who is as in depth to or in the Foundry VTT world as I am, thanks face, I blame you, um, with running like probably 90 modules actively, um, a lot of those modules are not updated for the new system yet. So as always, I'm in a holding pattern. I had to revert everything back afterwards. I went back to an older D&D system and I'm just sort of waiting for the core modules that I have to catch up and eventually do my old thing of like, okay, which ones aren't getting supported? Which ones kind of do the same thing? What's replacing them? Um, that, but that's because I run a very specific kind of Foundry BTT game, right? Like I rely a lot on these Mac, these uh, other modules to do other things like cool spell effects and clean up my UI and stuff. So, but the pages are really cool. They are definitely going to be making some updates to it. Not everything is perfect. I've read their patch notes on it. Um, there's, for instance, the new sheets are only for player characters. So if you're still running NPCs and uh, other sort of like vehicle sheets and stuff like that, they have not been updated. You're, you'd have to use the core standard you know, default sheets for that. Um, but it looks really, really slick. And you finally have things like uh, backpack management. So you can drag and drop items into backpacks and keep that organized that way. They have a favorites bar. Basically everything that other modules were already doing. But now it's all consolidated into one one update really? as the core. Yeah, I think it looks, the most, it looks really cool. I think the most encouraging thing about it is the fact that they've done it. When yeah. they are themselves working on no less than two of their own BTTs yeah. for yep. D&D Beyond. It's cool that they're still supporting the third parties. Yes. Yeah, yeah after, after, you know, the last couple of years of scandal for Wizards of the Coast and their approach to third parties, I think is it's really, really encouraging to see them supporting something like this. Yeah. I wonder well, if there'll actually... be some integration with D&D Beyond where you can easily move stuff over at some point. And so what they'll want is to keep, even if you're using Foundry, Hmm. you will be buying stuff on D&D Beyond anyway. Yeah, and that probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's... here's So a couple of my players immediately asked me, they're like, hey, how does this impact the VTT that D&D Beyond is working on and Wizards is working on? And I said, honestly, I don't think it is impacting that much because, I, first of all, I feel like uh, D&D Beyond is working on their VTT very much in a silo. Like, I'm talking about their, you know, uh, 3D rendered yeah. Hero Forge-esque VTT there their really cool looking one that they debuted. I feel like that one's being worked on very much in private. The D&D Beyond Alpha Access Maps thing that they have going is very, very bare bones. And from the people that apparently have tried it out, it's it works and it's cool, but it certainly doesn't have the functionality of something like Roll20 or Foundry. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you, go, if you go into that, you go into that as a beginner. Yeah, it's never, yeah, It's never, it's exactly. never used anything else. Yeah. Right. Um, and honestly, I, I obviously I'm not in the process. I don't know how involved it is, but from my perspective, this is a really smart move on Watsi slash D and D Beyond's part, because all they really probably had to do was, you know, okay the licensing literature and the and the contracts and send over a handful of assets. Pro Foundry probably did the heavy lifting on this, and from what it seems like, like it's D and D Beyond inspired. It's not perfectly one-to-one -one, right mm. and there already exists a module literally generated by a community member and his patreon 
so the people that pay him basically uh that directly imports anything from dnd beyond into your game instantly at a click of a button and it's legal and it works and it's great and like and it works and if you support him on patreon um you get not just characters but npcs and anything else that you do homebrew and stuff like that it, it works so great i encourage people to make their character sheets on dnd beyond because everyone's so familiar with it and then i just asked for the link and i two button clicks later and i have it in my game great so yeah that already exists so it would be nothing for them to incorporate mm. something like that that easily as well yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's just a smart move overall. And now D&D Beyond can sell twice, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's yeah. this is where they catch you. Oh, you want the content on D&D Beyond so it's unlocked and people can access the spells and the characters and yeah, stuff? That's great. Yeah, and brother, yeah, and now you want that over in Foundry VTT too? You want to click and play the, you know, plug and play the adventure? Sure, that's another 20 bucks. Oh, you want the physical book? That's another blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. yeah oh, they get you. They that's got how you, you do it. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's it's a great very smart tactic but yeah. it's also very convenient and people who are really in it to win it like a lot of us are you know it's it works out for us really well yeah, yeah totally yeah, Maybe I, need, but I think when it's set up properly i may have to give voucher another proper go because i've and I gave up on it, and I used, continue to use Roll20. little James, I'll take <laughs> you away. <laughs> well, if you insist. Well, that was easy. I'll get my coat. Yeah. Spe- <laughs> speaking, of, um, speaking of physical books, uh, nice segue, I just very quickly mm. want to... My story that confuses me no end is, is this rulebook revised release date yeah what debacle. what is going so, on <laughs> the thing that confuses me the most is those dates were clearly plastered all over the official uh, mm. infographics from packs unplugged i'm looking at the core rulebook one right now the player's handbook one 5 21 24 releasing 5 21 24 that was an official release. <laughs> Maybe now, they uh, wrote it the UK way, and it's actually the 21st month and the yeah, fifth day it. of the that's year. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's... And now you've got one of sort of the the core faces of the of the franchise saying, "No, that was never the plan. In fact, we won't even be ready by that time." And I'm kind of thinking. So how did that how did that mistake happen? <laughs> it's clearly I don't know I don't know why they haven't just said oh no we pushed it back we wanted to make some more changes and exactly. it's being delayed James, rather than just be like no it was don't. never that way just gaslight <laughs> the comedian thinking that it's it's, it's I mean, legitimate gaslighting um, it's it's great gaslighting but there's, but there's um, physical things with the date on no no there's not <laughs> no 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 you're reading it wrong so yeah. <laughs> okay I actually okay this is I'll, I think I'll you're insane brief. actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> this rant as brief as possible I so first of all Jeremy Crawford has my initials and a lot of people call him jc which irks me to no end because they're like well jc ruled i'm like no i didn't they're like no 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 we mean jeremy crawford i'm like ever since i've started watching their their explanations reading their sage advice especially jeremy crawford's and love you buddy don't don't get me wrong you're a great designer um and everything else 
especially the sea invisibility rule. Did you guys, you heard about this, right? No, I, I don't know. If, no. Have we talked about it on, on this podcast? Maybe no, not. I don't think so. Oh, oh, you're going to love this. All right, grognards, get ready to come out of the woodwork with me. Here we go. So Jeremy Crawford came out because someone asked either on Twitter or on one of the forums whether sea invisibility, the spell that allows you to see invisible creatures and objects, negates the advantage that invisible creatures have against you for being unseen, right? Mm -hmm. Jeremy Crawford came out and gave this explanation adjectives withheld for now yeah. how it actually doesn't and how the rules were designed this way and how see invisibility you know the magic of the invisibility spell actually allows them to keep advantage and i forget the exact wording of the reasoning but it was the most sorry for my french bullshit the most <laughs> bullshitty thing that you've ever heard now i know of no dm that would say Oh, well, yeah, you can see them, but they're still going to have advantage on you because they are technically mm. under the invisible condition because the invisible condition gives you advantage in your attack rolls and see invisibility doesn't negate the invisible condition. It just means you can see them. And I think he said something along the lines of, well, it's really more of like a, a silhouette. And really, you don't know where the attacks are coming from when you see the silhouette. Don't quote me on it. It was something along those lines and something equally ridiculous. That's and so it ridiculous. just... It's the perfect microcosm. You, if you listeners, you can't see me, but I'm like wringing my hands literally He's right tense. now. I'm, I'm like making little claws because I'm Rain so angry about this. And and it's it's the perfect example of how if you watch and you go back, they never ever ever admit that a rule doesn't make sense. It would be so easy for someone to be like, "Oh, actually, you know what, community? That's a really good point." It should work in this way. It should work as the, as intended as you might imagine. And we'll probably fix the wording in the next update. They are incapable of saying that. They need to represent D&D 5e as if it was perfectly generated without a single mistake, as if they were gods. They're incapable of making any errors with its design and how things that make absolutely no sense were in fact intentional. And the sea invisibility thing is yeah. is just the That's perfect wild, example though, of this. Cause... But this, but this, doesn't that explain exactly why they're like, oh yeah, no, May twenty first or whatever the date was. <laughs> that you, you're wrong. As a matter of oh, fact. But also, who's asking oh. that question? Why does that, why why does anyone reach out for clarification on that? Because as we've talked about here, that's silly. Obviously, it yep. negates the advantage. Yep. For because you, some, you are some DMs are so raw. Some DMs yeah. are... I'm getting lightheaded talking about this. Some <laughs> DMs are so raw that they will like literally go to the, the nitty-gritty wording of the thing rather than the, the spirit of the feature or the spell. And it just makes no sense yeah. if you if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of those dms that thinks that see invisibility and you can see an invisible creature doesn't negate that invisible creature's advantage on attacking you you are wrong <laughs> yeah. I, you heard it here at me on discord <laughs> let's go <laughs> but yeah that's that is exactly why i think this is happening right now with the dates Unless, Damien, you think you have another explanation. In the I words. don't. I don't have an explanation. I think no that's as, as best an explanation as we're going to get. Um, we. Uh, I should point out, at this time, we still don't have an idea of when they are actually supposed to be coming out. Um, I would hope it is this year, given it's the 50th. What, what a perfect year to do it. Um, but at the minute, tight-lipped. 
is it a joke is it is it like an april early april fool saying like actually surprise it's early it's an april one or whatever they obviously I can't don't know. decide something there's something obviously going on behind closed doors so they just, clearly they're just yeah. like oh shit we, we should have done this or we should have done that or whatever and they've just made a mess they've made a mess of it and they're just like oh maybe we'll no one notice jeremy crawford probably should be doing their pr for them like coming out and saying stuff like that it should probably be a team of people who they give this information to well, when he's asked you know, to be like hasbro just, fired just, 20 percent of their workforce tell yeah, them you can't comment on it and we'll re- we'll release something for you it's probably yeah. what should happen yeah yeah well and the weird the other weird part of this and i'm glad you brought it up damien because i've been wanting to ask you guys there is very little news or announcements on like what else is coming out this year. All I really think mm. I know is the Vecna book that we've been promised, but there's no release date for that either. No, that was remo- that was May as well. That was to coincide with the the player's handbook. It was the same date. Oh, and, and now that that's removed, not a that thing. got removed as well. Like all of the dates got removed. So, so at the wow. moment we don't know. Like normally, and last year especially especially with all the, you know, the feedback that they were getting in early Jan and all the vitriol, like we had release dates all the way through like October, November. We knew that, you know, Dragon, uh, no, that was the year before, but like we knew when the, when the things were launching, right? Yeah. Now we have nothing technically released or or slated for 2024. We don't have any dates and it's February. Yeah. It will be because they've had a reshuffle in their, in their organization and they've got, and they just, they just haven't got their act together in terms of like, shit, we need to like roll this out. Cause the person, the person who probably is in charge of saying, we need to make sure our community knows what's coming up in the next year, probably no longer the works there. (laughs) Like like, all the people that would have done it normally is no longer there. So it's, they just, they're just like, they're probably in turmoil. Right. Right. That's that's wild. Yeah. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Hasbro layoffs that are affecting this because that was 20 percent of their workforce. Right. Well, not Watsy directly, but, you know, it probably was impacted. I do know that some employees at Watsy lost their jobs. So wild, wild stuff. Shame. Yeah. So do we have any tales from your tables and we didn't have any from the DMs this week. So I don't know if you guys have got anything you'd like to share with the listeners Mm. games you've been in. I've got a pretty fun one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Go for it. Yeah. Um, So I'm, I'm running Icewind Dale uh, on a, on a Tuesday night. I love hearing about this. (laughs) (laughs) We are, we are getting close to the end and fear not. um, I won't go into spoilers, um, but if you know the end of, if you know the final chapter of that book, you know the location that that takes place in, uh, then you'll know kind of exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, then it's just a cool thing to look forward to. Cool. Um, the characters are searching a large location uh, with lots of stuff to explore and uh, getting pieces of information, clues and bits and pieces that they need to continue their adventure. And there are certain places where those can be found and the rest of the locations are just sort of fun encounters. Uh, that they've got themselves tied into. A recent one uh, involved them wanting to get to uh, kind of the top floor of a a tower. And there's some guards outside the front of the tower, which they just didn't want to tangle with. Uh, But the tower has a hole in the roof. Uh, So (laughs) uh, one of the players used uh, Thunderstep um, to take themselves and another player to the hole in the top of the tower, uh, then decided that they would lower a collection of of tied-together ropes down from said hole and ask the other players to get into their bag of holding 
Tie it <gasps> off at the end, hold your breath, and we'll pull you to the top of the tower. And haul them to the top. And haul them to the top of the tower. Which Interesting. Uh, this is another don't at me. I am sure there is probably a reason out there why somebody will say that is not possible. But what a fun idea. It's <laughs> what, a great idea. What a great for idea for, heist, for heisting what? your way into a tower. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I allowed them to do it. I, you know, It's not like they're going to be in that bag for hours while they infiltrate a location. They're in yeah. there for a minute or two at most. Um, so... I, I 100% allowed it. it what nice. a great, what a fun way of getting into a tall location. Somebody can do it magically. The rest of them need to get there quickly. Get into the bag of holding, hold your breath. We'll tie it off and we'll bring you up on a rope. What mm -hmm. a great idea. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. There's, like you said, there's probably like six reasons why it wouldn't work. Like the breathing rules for the bag of holding divided by the number of creatures in it, the total weight, blah, blah, blah. But pfft, rule of cool. Rule of cool. Yeah, yeah. Super and they, they made doubly sure that they did not, because they have one other bag of holding and a uh, quiver of Elhona, which is another type nice. of demiplane object. Nice. Yeah. They made doubly, triply sure that nobody was holding those items when they got into the bag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Astral portals notwithstanding. Damn because, it. yeah, that would have been a disaster. Um, but that was, it was really, really good fun. So good. Um, they, they got into the tower and they met the denizen at the top of that tower. Um, if you know the denizen of the top of that tower, it's a, another really fun one. They're, they're looking into a telescope, is all I'll say. Um, so, yeah, that's that was my tale from the table. They, they had a lot of fun concocting that heist idea. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. And th there are so many fun locations. Like, if you want a big sort of kind of not quite hex crawl because it's not a, a full region, it is just a, a sort of a city scale location. Mm. Um, and you want some fun encounters in a kind of a city scale location, check out the, the last chapter, especially if you have no intention of running the full book. Yeah. Um, there's some yeah. really fun encounters in there. I have literally lifted that chapter and the last two chapters, in fact, and put them in, I think, two or three other games that I've run because they are that much fun. And now I'm actually running Icewind Dale for real as a home game and they are going through it. They're, they're almost in the exact same spot, Damien, which yeah. uh, listeners, you don't know this, but Damien and I constantly send each other WhatsApps just just to talk about like, oh, what, what did your players do with this? Oh, yeah, that's so cool. That's a great idea. I'm going to do this and here's where they are. So, yeah, Brilliant. very cool. Um, yeah. That's what it's gosh, about. Yeah, I got to think of a tale of a table. I, I feel like I have so many. I had a really good uh, encounter uh in Curse of Strahd, which is my second uh, home game that I'm running right now, um, my players, <clears throat> so I had a little, I had a lot of bit of content to Curse of Strahd, but um, spoilers, a little bit, but not too heavy. Um, there is a location uh, later on in the adventure, probably around the midway point or just past it, where they get to explore a ruined castle slash manor which once belonged to an order of knights that had opposed Strahd's initial invasion of the valley. And you're supposed to get something to bring back into that manor to sort of uh, basically complete the quest, get the knights, the revenant knights, because the knights still haunt the manor. They're obsessed with their failure over Strahd, and they don't fight Strahd anymore because they want Strahd to suffer in his own domain. Um, but there's something you're supposed to bring back. And again, 
spoilers, but this is only because this is the only version I run. It's a dragon skull because the knightly order was led by a silver dragon, which if you know D&D, they're good aligned creatures. So the canonical location of the skull in Curse of Strahd is in Ravenloft. And mm. there's a lot of people in the community out there that say, maybe don't have them go into Ravenloft. It really depends on how you're running it. Ravenloft is a good location to visit before you go there for the final encounter. But it's so buried in there, and it's in such a very specific location, which is very close to some other major story spoilers, that people are like, you may want to consider putting the skull elsewhere. So long ago, I came up with this idea, totally stolen from the intro cinematic to Wrath of the Lich King, the expansion for World of Warcraft, where not too far from this castle, the players can go and find the frozen over remains of the dragon and the skull included. And the presumption is that Strahd battled this dragon long ago and left the remains there to sort of freeze over in the snow and the ice. And so as soon as they get there, I had Strahd show up um, and in this homebrew game, it's a, it's a, she it's I'm, I'm running the, she is the ancient sort of version of this. And so she flies down to the ice. She taunts the whole party. She reveals that one of them is a traitor and has been feeding her information about the party. That's why she knows so much about them and their past. Um, so she kind of starts getting the party real suspicious of one another. And then she finally takes this gem that she has in her hand, punches through the ice and places the gem on the skull of the dragon where it's necromantic magic sort of takes over and the dragon cue the wrath of the lich king music where you know the claw poofs, breaks through the ice and the whole thing drags itself out and <laughs> roars at them and stuff um and then they have a dragon fight <laughs> while strahd watches sort of sizing up their strengths learning what the party can do and yeah. they had a blast it was very very epic it was it was close i didn't pull any punches i kind of homebrewed the stat block for it i didn't quite want it to be a dracolich i didn't quite want it to be one of the undead dragons from the new uh, <clears throat> uh dragonland stuff so i kind of homebrewed the stat block a little bit but it was still like a cr 12 or 13 creature which is quite high for the party at this level they're like level six yeah. um but there's a there's a handful of them there's seven and they brought it down in about three rounds. Now, it was an epic oh, wow. three rounds, but it was, yeah, well, here's why. One of them is an Echo Knight fighter and got off with an action surge at level six, eight attacks in a row. Holy shit. Eight Jesus. attacks in a row. All of them hit because he was, I use like optional flanking rules. So not only did he have a plus two bonus, he had advantage for other reasons. That guy, every single one of those hit, he had a great sword. So the end, he was dealing additional damage on top of that for another reason. It was just, I watched that stat block or that, that health bar go from about half to about a tenth in a single turn of combat. And then the wizard finished it off with a, with a hit of a firebolt, a strong firebolt. And it was beautiful. I've never seen the party so happy. They were just cheering and everything else. Right. And then at the end of it, <clears throat> Strahd sort of disappears and the spirit of the dragon comes out and is basically like, thank you for freeing me. Here's the whole history and I'm going to help you bring my, my skull back to Argonvost holds. Ooh, spoilers. Um, and I will, and I will help you out. But of course, this is the final bit of this story. Um, I can't but help 
always play this dragon and the the human form that he takes as Sean Connery from Dragon Heart, Dragon Heart from the <laughs> mid nineties. So the moment that he emerges, he's like, "Thank you for shaving me. <laughs> I'm I'm honored. And if you would bring my skull back to the to my knights, I will have you swear the oath." And I literally like pull elements of the knight of the old code bits from that movie. Um, and they loved it. What one dude just broke completely and was laughing. He was like, "Your Sean Connery is so good." And so we we they brought it back. The knights were about to you know double cross him, but then the dragon re shows up and he's like, "Remember your oaths, men. I can be only one." And then sure enough, there was there was a, a lot of satisfaction. And then I told them that they didn't level up, and they all got really mad um but it was great it was still a lot of fun <laughs> brilliant um I, I weirdly yeah i totally agree with the dragon skull location because i'm running curse of strad for uh, a group at the moment and yeah i was like I, they're, they're not going to ravenloft because i know that they won't want to explore it twice so if they go there yeah they'll they'll explore a load of it and they're quite completion-y as well so they'd probably try and hit every single room when they go the yep. first time and then when you go back even though the encounters might be different and Strahd will be trying to kill them more this time. And it'll be a final boss battle. They'll have seen it all already. It doesn't yeah. like, I feel like you build up to going to Strahd's home. Like he's dogged them around the country. So I've put it in the Amber temple, the skull. Nice. Yeah. A lot. That's a nice. popular location for it. Yeah. Is this, then there's is like this, the logistics this, of bringing it down. <laughs> is that is, will, will and Luke's group? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Where they, are they right now? Uh, well, actually, I'm there. I'm seeing them this weekend. I'm going to Luke's house for the Super Bowl. Um, so, oh, cool! I will. I'll see you. the superb most, owl. Most of them are turning up. The superb owl. Yeah, yeah. Got my superb owl costume. A little sash that says superb and an owl mask. Um, <laughs> big, big, That's all big, you could afford at the end. That's all I could afford. Yeah, the wings <laughs> I had to make myself. So I've been hunting <laughs> pigeons with my cats. Um, will they get? It? <laughs> do they? Do they watch? what yeah. we do in the shadows okay okay yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh but yeah no but I'm, I'm looking forward to um uh, roll dark fest because they're a couple of them are coming and they're at my table and they've bought some real real cool looking armor which means i need to up my costume game otherwise they will be outdoing <laughs> me considerably <laughs> fantastic one thing so, that was a, a great idea there just a quick one to call out from jc's story there was that was strad telling the party that one of them had been feeding them information. You didn't indicate whether that's actually true or not, but either way, if you're looking for a fun way to spice up your villains, have them do that. Whether or not the party is actually feeding them information, have them just show up and say, yeah, one of you is betraying the rest of them and you, you're feeding me information. Thank you, Bob. As we all know that every party of D&D has a Bob. Um, th thank you, Bob, for all the information you've given me. I can now destroy all of you and watch the players just fall apart so, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. <laughs> you're doing mm -hmm. what <laughs> well i've had strad go and mind control each one of them to do something at a certain point Ooh, um, that's fun so, i really need to use the charm more yeah. uh one, one of them unfortunately where you save the townsfolk from the werewolves um killed uh, an innocent townsfolk um which when they bought 
the back to the town um there's that hidden werewolf child amongst them so the townsfolk are like well there's the right number of people um but <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so, they're just getting my I, I think my players are close to getting to kresk they they had a slight deviation they're going down to the wizard of wines winery right now but they're gonna they go to did kresk. that first they went oh no they do do kresk then wizards then then the winery yeah. then back up but yeah, yeah. They... that was literally my last session i had prepped yeah. kresk and everything that was going to happen in kresk and then they were like actually let's go to the winery first it's that's that's just a detour to the south and i'm like, like yeah <laughs> i have a real quick question on curse of strad um being that i'm in the midst of writing an adventure that has inspirations from the way that is structured and the villain what do you think it is? Do you think it's Strad that makes Curse of Strad mm. so popular? Is it Strad mm. or is it theme. more than that? I think it's the theme more than anything. The gothic horror, the gothic horror, werewolf sort of standard, sort of sleepy, hollow vibe of the whole place. It's also quite grim, and I think that people who like to take their RP seriously can sort of they. That's that's something that people like about it. It's certainly something that I like about it. It's not. It's you can still have a jokey Strad game, and God. 100%. I have, but there is that underlying current of seriousness and danger the entire time, especially if you have Strahd showing up. I think the yeah. I think having a villain, whoever it is, turn up multiple points multiple times, during the game yeah. to interact with the party, um, especially when they are definitely at a level where they will not defeat him when they first yeah. interact with him. I did that with Tomb of Annihilation because, yeah, um, oh, again, oh, yeah, no, yeah, again, yeah, no sorry. spoilers, but there's kind of a very late reveal as to the architect of that adventure. Right. Um, very, very late. Um, in fact, pretty much at the final yeah. encounter yes. in the book, it, it reveals who <laughs> yeah. the architect of that is without ever hinting at them at any point prior to that. Uh, it does a great bait and switch on a different character that might be the villain, but then, uh, I, so I had that villain show up frequently throughout the adventure and be much more present because it's so I think that's a fun. great idea Damien. if i were ever to run tomb of annihilation again i would do exactly that it's, it's such a stupid thing to especially if you're running it in person and you pull out the book every day because the villain's on the cover and yeah. then you yeah, yeah. never see them until the literal probably last or penultimate session it's it's kind of ridiculous um what about what about you, Rob? What do you think? You've you've played Curse of Strahd or run Curse of Strahd? Um, yeah, it was sort of one of the first campaigns we ran. Actually, I think yeah. it's I think it's good because it's a it's a very easy way to play with, with when you've got beginner players mm. who also who also I think are on the fringes of of fan, of fantasy being beginner like like they're not quite in tune with the, the with like a fantasy yes. setting. Right. It's a good way of getting them in because it's because it's. You've just a familiar got, you know, story it's a finished story yeah it's vampire yeah. it's it's like it's a it, they don't have to strain their imagination too much to imagine the situation yeah. they're in you know that's true yeah I, and i think yeah. because actually you can set it up so the players go into the mists and their player characters are just as confused they don't have to right. know yeah know a whole load of backstory about the setting it, or even 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 like i don't think you need to do that in regular dv yeah. but there's that yeah. that's thought that a lot of people have where you're like oh shit well i don't know would my character know this but in curse of Strahd, you go in you go through the mist and you're in somewhere new where your character's never been before you've never been before right you don't know so go ahead rob sorry yeah. sorry i was gonna say i like the difference between between the adventures as well because with with the curse of Strahd, it isn't it isn't on rails 
Right. So it doesn't. It doesn't. You like you don't open it up and go, okay, page one. I now have to read this bit out. Then I need to read this bit out. Then mm. they're they're here. Then they're there. Then they do this. Then they do that. It's like it's like it doesn't it doesn't spoon feed you in a way that is like you know like some of them. I think the um was the Princess of the Apocalypse. Yeah. Oh, that series. Oh. Yeah. And also the Tiamat oh. series, the, the Dragon series. Yeah, the early Tyranny one. of Dragons. Tyranny yeah. of Dragons. Is Descent Tyranny into Dragons? Avernus is a lot more linear than you would imagine. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is. yeah, it is. It's it's very much like... Icewind Dale they're, isn't. That's very sandboxy. They're good if yeah. you're a DM that's, that's a beginner DM that doesn't want mm. to use your imagination, doesn't want right. to like, you know, be a storyteller and and really kind of come up with your own stuff. Whereas I think Curse of Stroud is a really good stepping stone for those DMs that then want to go and make their own epic stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an really open, good... I think yeah. it's good for first-time players, but not first-time DMs. Yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you can do it. But you I think can. there are, like you said, I think if you're a first-time DM, you can want that sort of more linear adventure to kick off. But I suppose if you go straight from doing the starter adventure... By the time you finish that, I think you're probably okay to go and start. One thing, I, yeah. one yeah, thing yeah. I like about the the non-linearity of it is, unlike the all the others that are very non-linear, it's an open location, but it's a limited open location. Yep. It's like yep. a small region, whereas yep. the rest is, you know, a whole island or a whole northern region of uh, of Icewind Dale or a or whole if, world if, if you're playing Storm King's Thunder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but even with Icewind Dale, if your characters are really determined to be like, no, we want to go real far south. I mean, there's technically nothing stopping them i mean they're abandoning the adventure but if they're like no we want to we want to go south yep. to this specific thing before we go back up north you're like well there's nothing i can actually do i guess to stop you if your heart's set on doing that whereas in strad they're like well i want to follow the road and keep going west you're like okay well you're either turned around or the the mist starts choking you so yeah. turn back yeah. <laughs> you you are limited you cannot go that far right I, I I think all of these tease probably my belief. I think Strahd is extremely compelling as a villain. And, uh, you know, the similarities, the accessibility of it, everybody knows the Dracula story. So that's easy, or Castlevania. Um, but I actually think it's the structure. <gasps> Bless you. Oh, I'm getting you sick through the mic, Rob. <laughs> I see, I see, uh, where's, where's the mute? Where's the mute? Where's the mute? Brilliant. No, but I was going to say, I, th I really do think it's the structure, which is what we've kind of been talking about. But the fact that it is a, a sandbox, not quite on rails, but like you said, James, limited. I think, honestly, that's its biggest strength. And the fact, like, it could be anybody. It could be a lich. It could be a vampire. It could be... Uh, anything that they fight right and whether you tease him a lot or tease him a little or in my case it's a she or they or whatever is interesting and definitely uh usable but it doesn't make or break the adventure i think it's the structure of it that makes it so popular it has honestly. a nice replayability mechanic as yes. well doesn't it? yeah with, with, the, the, with the tarot card deck yeah yeah exactly um which i think and and here's the other thing the shared stakes. And this is something I've been wanting to talk to you guys for uh, a while about because I struggle with this, especially in a, in a campaign I'm, I'm running or I'm planning on running. The shared stakes idea, the, the real big compelling reason for all the players to be together, right? Mm. Yes, you can give them an adventure. I, I, I think most, if not all of the 5e books suffer from this all the adventures they don't actually have a unifying reason for the party to 
be on this quest, the exception being Curse of Strahd. Mm. You have all been drawn into the mists. You are all the only outsiders. You are all trying to find your way back home. You learn that doing that is, or the way to do that is by fighting Strahd. That is a wonderful hook, right? It is also a frequently abused hook. And it works really well with Strahd. And if people have played Strahd, they've, you know, tried and trued it basically at that point. The other good one is a shared peril like Baldur's Gate 3. Spoilers for the first five seconds of that game. You end up with a tadpole in your brain, a Mind Flayer tadpole. You and the rest of the party that you gather are all tadpoled. You have these shared stakes. That is the reason for your adventurers to be together. You are trying to find a cure. You realize that doing that, or the only way to do that, is by confronting the absolute. So here is my question for each of you. What are some other ones? <laughs> Apart from you're infected and you're all trying to find a cure and you're all trapped in a domain or in a, in a private place with no way of getting out unless you all work together, what is another extremely compelling reason to keep the whole, to get the whole party to work together in the first place? Um, so fate entwined. So maybe um, you feel each other's pain. You're all connected in a certain way like that. So I think sense, I want to say the series sense eight did something similar where ah. like maybe you'd have like glimpses of memories uh, for, for other people or see mm. what they're seeing at certain points. Um, so I think something like that would be cool. Sense um, eight inspired. Also, yeah. also um, the new book, the, the Planescape one has a thing where you all wake up in the morgue together. And every time you die, you go back to the morgue. Oh, I love that. That's That's super cool. cool. That is cool. Sorry, I got excited there. That's cool. That's cool. um, The first thing that sprung to my mind, I don't know why I went here, is um, the Nightmare on Elm Street, where the party slowly discovers that their, their collective families were all involved in something that's now come back to bite them generations later. Yeah, I like that. Interesting. Um, Okay, so Ancestry. Yeah, so pretty, you know, spoilers all for I, all I very the, old the Runaways comics. Yeah, um, yeah. Freddie, Freddy, you know, it, it's revealed slowly through that movie that the parents who are denying any knowledge of this dream-haunting monster actually know exactly who it is and, and why they might have cause for vengeance. So slowly revealing to your players that their collective families were involved in some plot or curse or something uh, could That's be cool. a fun way of doing it. That's cool. I, I need to write these down. These well, are good. Well, I've never t- seen Nightmare on Elm Street, actually. Really? Yeah, it's, never it's, never got it's, around to it. It's, it's dated. It's Is aged. it? Oh, yeah, I thought you were going to say it was, yeah. it, was always a bit, it was always a bit cheesy, but... It's both um, dated and not. It has a, it, it, yeah. I feel like if you go into it expecting cheese, you will not be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Going with cheese. It's a very... very it's a very... Um, it's a good horror film. It's the, the the scariest bits are obviously the teenagers being attacked while they're asleep. Yeah. Uh, that's that's horrific to see. But right. um and that's and that's definitely it's very gory. Especially, yeah. especially I, have, I have a lot of like cultural gory. osmosis of it. Like I know what mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger looks like, I know the claws thing, I, I know a few lines from it and whatnot, but like I've actually never seen it. And my major frame of reference for it is that like one of the earliest episodes of Rick and Morty where he's yeah. like, You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. Oh, I guess you can hide. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> also watch very, very, very young, I think first ever leading role of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, what? yeah, it was, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah what? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, goodness. That's wild. Yeah, I can't, so. I can't really. I think the, the main, the main thing I always tend to do is, is um, if it's beginner players, 
and they've never played before i always do it i set it up so that they've left their school of learning as as their class so like you know they've learned they've learned and and they've been given like some kind of mission by their by their elder or by their teacher to go and fulfill and when they go there they meet other people who have also been given a similar quest and it turns out that all of their elders all of their other like the people that taught them their class all used to be in an adventure pattern together and they've like basically got like you're my best student i'm going to give you to my other person who used to be an adventure party with me to work together in order to achieve some sort of greater sort of you know thing problem that might be happening that's in the world really cool i like Whoa, that yeah. i like that idea but you could also do it as in members of my old adventuring party also know where this magic item is and we all want it so we've trained a team yeah. now we're too old to go yeah. and retrieve it and, <laughs> and all the members of my old party have done the same thing <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. That's yeah, really that. cool. That's, that's 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 basically what I do. Or um, what else? Do or die situations. So in um, mm. I, the I gun often to do the a game... to the head scenario, right? Yeah, yeah so I, oft, I often have it like they're 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 all prisoners. Like you know you know the, um, the Elder Scrolls you know, opening. The, yeah, <laughs> the remember, opening. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, where is it? Uh, Out of the Abyss opens yeah, that's that right. way. Out of the Abyss. Out yeah, of they the all abyss. start off. They all start right. off in a in a that's prison that's camp, not, right? It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not a great like game that one it's not like a great module but the beginning is excellent they're all, mm. they're, all they're all trapped together so they're so they're you know they want to escape that's right. basically right. what they're trying to do and, and through that escape something happens and then they learn about some kind of awesome thing but while they while they learn about that like amazing thing that they could do or a quest that they could do they get to see each other's abilities and go oh actually we're all pretty handy we should probably work together nice yeah that kind of yeah. thing. And you have you like kinda, a, you you have like hope. an NPC in there to like to like basically be like, hey, you guys are all really good at this stuff. Maybe we right, should all work right. together. You know? You you kind of hope that the parties will will kind of go for it, right? You're in you're mm. as a above table, you're a player who wants to play this game. So hopefully you find a compelling reason to. But sometimes here and, and here's why I bring it up. Sometimes the the acting or the I'm in character part of their character is so strong that they can't find a good reason to <laughs> risk their lives this high. So I'll give you, yeah. I'll give you this example in this homebrew game that I have, which I've run before at roll dark and stuff. Um, the party, I do have a compelling reason. It ends up being rather similar to out of the abyss. They actually end up as fugitives, right? They are wrongfully accused and their names and their faces are plastered up on wanted posters and they have to go and prove their innocence, but it takes a while to get there. This doesn't really happen until level five. And I have the adventure starting at level one, kind of like a slow burn mystery. It's about mind flayers, folks. Um, <gasps> yeah. What, you're dead um, mind flayers, JC. That is someone like you. <laughs> <laughs> we should hang out. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, there is. So in the beginning, when they start realizing that there is like a world threatening uh, sort of aspect in, in, in the top of it, they're like, I'm I was just in it for the bit of money that was being promised. I'm not I'm not a hero. I'm not an archmage. If this is threatening the whole sword coast, say, I don't think that I'm the right person cut out for this. So it's. It, you you hope that there's investment from the players, but sometimes there's a little too much investment, and they're like, "Yeah, no, my character is like, he's just in it for for this reason and that reason. He wouldn't really want to to get into it." So I'm on the verge of getting them 
into this shared situation. But that's the thing. They have to have a good reason for being part of a party. And all the ones you've given are excellent examples. I'm going to start incorporating some of these. And I think it's uh, awesome stuff. If you're doing a sea campaign as well, being on a sinking ship together, crashing on an island, so you're stuck together, anything sort of like that, any sort of bottle episode type scenario Mm. where you are stuck somewhere together for whatever reason is pretty pretty useful. Or shared the same dream. Yeah. 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 Yep. Actually, that that's how I usually start Christmas Strahd is mm. um, without they're they're not in Barovia yet is my session one. And then through session one, they all have gotten a dream to accept a missive. And then that missive takes them to a Vistani and that Vistani takes them into the mists. That's my sort of hook. Right. The wolves chase the Vistani wagon that they're on and they have a fight scene while they're shooting from the back of the wagon or attacking wolves in the back from the melee guys and then. I think and the, the plunging through the mists. If you don't have a, if you write any adventure and you don't have a thing that's as clear cut as a a very definitive reason why you are all connected, mm-hmm. the only other way to do it is to kind of take each of the classes in isolation and just put together a short paragraph of and think about why. Like, if the rogue in the party is always a tricky one because they're then unlikely to be there for altruistic reasons. Mm. Um. What? So rogues? Have, oh, they're have the their... most noble players I ever got. <laughs> have their their rogues, uh, their thieves guild or equivalent interconnected to what's going on, even right. if it's uh, indirectly. So they're on a secret mission to find out what why they're being affected. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's not so much important for uh, good boys like paladins and, and clerics who are going to do it because it's the right thing to do and because their priesthood said so. Um, but things like that, where it's it's an incon- a guild or similar that you're connected to, uh, is in some way linked to what's going on, either right. directly or indirectly, and you have a secret mission to find out what's going on on top of get rich and famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of get rich and famous, I never have this problem with Waterdeep Dragon Heist because the <laughs> the hook is so blatantly, blaringly obvious. It's like get rich. That's your hook. You're all working together because you realize you have a better chance of getting rich if you do. That's it. Oh, there's three crime lord families against us right now and and several villains. There's a cult. Who cares? We're getting rich at the end of this. Let's do it together. (laughs) It's such a throw the shit to the wall and see what sticks kind of attitude about it. And I love it. I love that adventure for that reason. Actually, your intro to Barovia then, JC, with the chase... Uh, and stuff do you then run death house once they get in or do you i do i do do. they so basically if you really want to know the ins and outs Mm -hmm. um they all receive a dream that's how it starts uh and it's actually madame ava who's contacting them through the dream um or they think it's madame ava um they mm -hmm, they accept the missive it's lord's lines missive it's a fake missive um they meet with the vistani they are moving towards a house that needs investigating with a plunge into the mists because the the house kind of exists on both planes at once um then when they get there they're looking for someone in particular it's van richten they don't find him there but they see that he's passed through there and that's how that's basically the whole thing. So they, they get to Death House, and then sure enough, as they walk out of it, their Vistani person is dead, and yeah. it, they have a lovely letter from Strahd being like, welcome to Barovia. Take a look around. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah cool. it's great. It's great. It's cool. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe we should do a game on the podcast. What do you guys think? <gasps> yes. Lives, yeah. live play, live Could stream, live play. Yes. <laughs> start doing. Start doing. <clears throat> what do you reckon? Do you reckon? I'd like to. I would like to try out Call of Cthulhu a lot. I would too. Yeah, to I'd like to, to run a Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Y'all, y'all already know how badly I want a Call of Cthulhu game in my life. So. <laughs> Anything with tentacles, uh, JC's like, yep, that's me. <laughs> mm-hmm. We should totally do it. We should totally mm-hmm. do it. Maybe we could. Um, I mean, we Call could probably still do, still do the podcast as we are. Has yeah. anybody here been a lorekeeper for Call no. of Cthulhu before? I, I played in the I've game. Got, I've got the set. That's the same I think. That's it. Do you play it in JC with Nay? One of, our, one of the other old yeah, games. Yeah, Alex, around. Nay, you and me. Yeah. That was the four. Where it was, it was a one shot by Nay, which was awesome and, and a lot of fun, yeah. but it literally had Cthulhu show up at the end. And we were like, oh, what? shit. Cthulhu <laughs> just turned up. Yeah, yeah we, we lost. We, yeah, we, we lost. We lost. 100%. We got, Isn't that the point? I remember very specifically, we got poisoned to lose? at a party. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. It's designed, you're designed to lose. Died so hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Who, would, who, would like to, who would like to be the DM or GM? I'd I'd like to give it a go. LM. Do it. LM. Yeah. Law master. All right, cool. Law master. Law we'll do fear to the mind, James, so you don't Lord need to worry about maps Lord. and stuff. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, for, yeah, Cus, for Call of Cthulhu, I think fear to the mind works yeah. very well. So. Yeah, we don't, and because obviously, because we've got listeners, you can't see it anyway. So. Yes. If you give me a date, yeah. I will have stuff prepared by then. Or you uh, could I, I will, do I need a, right? I need a hard date because otherwise, I will not do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do it on Foundry, James. All maps, all tokens. Do it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> all maps, all, all tokens, all the time. Just as long as long as there's no, some, because uh, here's here's the thing with me and 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 theater of mind. It works great in person for me. In hmm. in online, you're there's the expectation of looking at something because you're looking at a screen. And yeah. for the sake of it being basically in a glorified Zoom call, as long as there's like handouts or like some visual art that we can look at with a little bit of background music or something. Yeah. That's all I ask. Yeah, just mid-journey yeah. imagery. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, you're on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, right, see my right. email. Cool. I did, I did see your email, yep. I'll okay, cool, cool. I think I'm probably using, <laughs> I'm on it, I'm on it. Um, if, if trying to use AI for horror sort of theme stuff is that it's like censorship block won't mm. let it get real. Oh, yeah, or right, or right. So you can't even really Yeah, you'd be surprised that. how much I get that for tentacles every time I'm trying to mm, describe something yeah. with tentacles. I'm like, damn it, mid-journey, I'm not a hentai <laughs> weeb. I just, <laughs> just want an eldritch monster ripping someone from the inside out. Why is that so hard? <laughs> yeah, right. Why is it all pixelated? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean, James? I don't know, I don't know anything's pixelated. It's pixelated. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's on a VPN, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's a VPN? Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> like a thing? What's that for? Oh, <laughs> we will never know. Both of you busted. <laughs> cool. Well, let's leave it there, guys. Um, awesome. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in yet again. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll have details of re- with regards to joining the Discord community in the um, main bit of the uh, stuff. For the podcast, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, the nice metadata. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll hear you guys, uh, or you'll hear us next week. Woo! Nice one. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye.